back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 5, Episode 15. Well, last night, former Prime Minister of Italy, Silvio Berlusconi, passed away at the age of 86. He was one of the most famous figures in modern Italian life. He was the longest-serving Prime Minister since World War II, and he was a very sort of scandalous figure. You either loved him or hated him in Italy. I think it's important for us to kind of understand a little bit about this man who was Italy's richest man, Italy's longest serving prime minister since the war. And there were many things about him that were just, he was just a very colorful individual. There's a writer, his name is Giacomo Tolnini, and he writes for a lot of different news outlets. He wrote an article for Forbes, and it's called Inside the Life and Fortune of Italian Billionaire Silvio Berlusconi. He wrote this and just published it on June 12th, so it just came out. And anyway, I just wanted to quickly read this so that we could kind of, and I haven't read the article yet, but I kind of skimmed over it, and it looked like it had kind of a condensed... I was I was going to read the one from New York Times, but that was just so incredibly long, I just don't have time. And we've got a wonderful long segment today with Veda that I want to get into, so I just wanted to kind of briefly touch on this. So I'm going to read this for you. Former Italian Prime Minister and billionaire business magnate Silvio Berlusconi died on Monday at age 86 at Milan's San Raffaele Hospital. The media mogul-turned-politician was a dominant figure in Italian life for decades. First as a brash businessman who built the country's largest media conglomerate and later as the longest-serving prime minister post-World War II, he was a controversial figure both in and out of office, facing several judicial investigations over the course of his career including a 2013 conviction for tax fraud and a 2015 conviction for bribing a former senator. Forza Italia, the political party that Berlusconi launched in 1994, posted a message on Twitter today saying, Goodbye, President. Berlusconi's family and his investment company, Finivest, had not released a statement as of 1 p.m. Italian time. No official cause of death has yet been given, but Berlusconi had been diagnosed with leukemia in April. When he was hospitalized for 14 days for a lung infection, he was readmitted to a hospital for scheduled tests on Friday. After making his debut on Forbes' World's Billionaires list in 1988 with an estimated worth of $1 billion, Berlusconi appeared in every subsequent ranking until his death. Forbes estimates Berlusconi had a net worth of $6.8 billion at the time of his death, largely tied up in his investment in media group Finivest, which owns shares of broadcaster media for Europe, publisher Mandadori, and Italian Banca Mediolanum. He was a senator representing his Forza Italia party at the time of his death, having returned to the chamber after winning a seat in Italy's general election last September. Forza Italia won 8% of the vote in the election and joined the coalition government of Prime Minister Giorgio Meloni. Silvio Berlusconi was born in Milan, Italy in 1936, where he went to high school and later spent some time 
selling vacuum cleaners, and singing in nightclubs and on cruise ships, before graduating with a law degree from the University of Milan in 1961. He was exempted from mandatory military service, reportedly because he was a firstborn child. That's interesting. <laughs> and set up a real estate company in Milan after graduation. Three years later, he married Carla Lucia Elvira Dall'Oglio and went on to have two children, Marina and Pierre Silvio. The real estate company grew into an empire, and in the 1970s, as Berlusconi bought up land and built residential complexes throughout Milan and the surrounding region of Lombardy, including his ambitious project to build a new neighborhood from scratch called Milano II, which is now home to nearly 6,000 people, he was named Knight of the Order of Merit, one of Italy's highest honors in 1977 taking up the nickname Il Calvaliere, which means the knight, a title he voluntarily renounced after his 2013 tax fraud conviction. In 1980, four years after buying a TV station in Milan, he decided to turn his attention to the nationwide TV monopoly dominated by the state, state-owned Rai, transforming his canale Cinque into the first privately owned TV network in the country. His fortune climbed in the 1980s as he kept buying up TV stations and expanded across the country, while increasing his national profile with the purchase of AC Milan, one of Italy's leading soccer teams, in 1986. He divorced his first wife in 1985, marrying Lario five years later. After a massive corruption scandal brought down Italy's political class and the country's main political parties collapsed in the early 1990s, Berlusconi spotted an opportunity to capitalize on his profile. In 1994, he launched his center-right Forza Italia Go party and won in an upset, securing a majority in parliament with 43% of the vote in a coalition with the right-wing nationalist Northern League Party. But his first stint in the job was short-lived. The uneasy partnership crumbled by the end of the year, and Berlusconi lost the next election in 1996. After five years in opposition, some of it spent defending against corruption investigations, including allegations of illicit donations to the Italian Socialist Party in 1991 and a case of accounting fraud tied to Finnevest, both, both of them eventually dropped. He returned to power, winning election as prime minister again in 2001. He remained in office until 2006, committing Italian troops to the U.S. wars in Iraq and Afghanistan before a defeat in the regional elections led to his resignation in 2005. He ran again in new national elections in 2006, but lost. Two years later, the short-lived center-left administration that succeeded him broke apart, and Berlusconi won the ensuing national vote, making his third stint as prime minister. By then, Berlusconi was mired in several judicial inquiries and investigation. He faced more than 20 legal proceedings over the course of his life, ranging from abuse of office to soliciting underage prostitution, all of which were later dropped, as resulted in acquittal 
except for the 2013 and 2015 convictions, the latter of which was dismissed two years later after the statute of limitations had expired. His third term in office broke the record for the longest-serving prime minister since the founding of the Italian Republic in 1946. By 2011, Italy had fallen into a deep economic recession due to the Eurozone debt crisis. Berlusconi resigned to make way for technocratic administration led by the economist Mario Monti. In 2012, Berlusconi and Lario divorced after three years of separation. Even after resigning from office, Berlusconi never stepped back from business or politics. He maintained close control of his business empire, Finivest, and remained the leader of his party, Forza Italia, until his death, serving as a member of the European Parliament from May 2019 until October 2022. He sold AC Milan to Chinese investors in June 2017, or 630 million, but got to buy into soccer ownership by acquiring AC Monza, located near his 18th century villa in the town of Arcore in 2018. During the COVID-19 pandemic in Italy, Berlusconi donated about 10 million euros to his hard-hit home region of Lombardia for the construction of a new hospital at the former Fiera Milano Exhibition Grounds in Milan. Berlusconi is survived by his five children, Marina, Pierre, Silvio, Eleonora, Barbara, and Luigi. Also his brother, Paolo, and 17 grandchildren. And that was written by Giacomo Tolnini. Well, as I read that, I learned right along with you quite a bit more about Silvio Berlusconi than I ever knew. He was definitely a very, very important part of Italian culture, politics, and life for the last 40 years, and he definitely left his mark for good or bad, depending on how you choose to look at what he sort of brought to the country, I suppose. So anyway, farewell to Silvio Berlusconi, and I just wanted to get a kind of give you an update since that just happened a few hours ago. Before I started recording this, I wanted to just kind of give you an update on that. Okay, so something that happened over the weekend here that was really, really cool and that I've been looking forward to since I moved here to Conagliano, and that was a festival that has not taken place the entire time I've been here. This is the first year for a lot of things in Italy. Because for the past three years, 2020, 2021, and 2022 were, of course, all pandemic years with lockdowns. And so, so much of normal life did not happen. And one of the things that didn't happen is this festival. I think it's called Sulla Luna that happens here in like the second week of June every year. And so it's something that I've seen advertised on signs around the city for years. Just old old signs and old images that I've seen and, and old pictures online I've seen. And that is that the main center of the city of Conagliano, that Centro Storico Vera, if you're listening to this, I'm saying that for you, the Centro Storico, the historical center 
of downtown Conagliano in front of the Academia. There's this huge open square, and that is transformed into a giant chessboard. And then there's a game of chess that is played with living human chess pieces. And so I just thought that would be the coolest thing. So the other day I was out for a walk up to the castle and I don't, I'm not very good about keeping up with all the local activities here in town. I've just, I could be better, but I'm just not, I don't really read the local newspaper very often. And I don't, there's just, I don't know. I'm always working in front of my computer or going for early morning or late night walks. So in one of my morning walks, I saw that they were setting up all this, all these chairs and these stadiums and the whole downtown was sort of being transformed into something. And so when I walked across the main square, I saw this giant black and white checkerboard or chessboard. And I was like, oh, wow, they're going to do that chess game, that like live chess game that I've been hearing about and reading about and seeing pictures of for the last several years. And so I checked online, did a little bit of research and found out that it was going to be the next day. And so that was going to be Saturday. I was running errands and trying to get everything done so I could go down and and do some filming and catch some of that to share with all of you because I thought it was going to be such an interesting thing and it turned out to be even more interesting than I could have even imagined. And man, did they ever put on a show. They put on quite the production. They called it, I think in the Italian word is spettacolo, which I think translates to art spectacle or like a good translation would be like a production, I guess. So it was not just the giant chessboard with the human chess pieces. It was also just this whole scene, including fire dancers. And it was probably like five different individual acts of this kind of like outdoor, almost tableau sort of play. It was just this very over-the-top production. I feel like it was even more over-the-top because they haven't done it for the past three years. The last time they did it was in 2019. They went all out. They had fireworks. They had a marching band. They had just everybody dressed up like they were from medieval times. And it was just crazy. Now, the morning before this happened, I was sitting here where I'm sitting right now in front of my computer working on an article and I heard a bunch of honking outside. And so I went out onto the balcony and right below me was this tractor parade. And I'm telling you, it was like tractors of every shape, size, make, model, and year were going down the street. Now I'm on Via Colombo And so this is, anytime there's a parade, it goes right past this house. And so I didn't know this was happening. I had no idea there was even such thing. You might say, well, why in the world would there ever be a tractor parade? That seems like such a strange thing to have in your city. Well, it does sound kind of strange unless you've ever been here during grape harvest. During grape harvest, There are just tractors everywhere, stopping traffic, driving giant loads of grapes with on trailers, just full of Prosecco grapes driving through the center of town. And it's just, you realize there's a lot of tractors. 
But I'm telling you, I've never seen this wide of a variety of tractors. I mean, there was brand new tractors. There were, I mean, I grew up on a farm, of course. We had a lot of tractors. We mainly had three different models of tractors. We had internationals, Kubotas, and John Deere's mainly. And I saw international brand of tractor. I didn't see any John Deere tractors, I don't think, or maybe I did. I don't recall. I took a whole video of it. I'm going to be sharing it on my Instagram page in the coming days, but I just recently uplo uploaded a whole video of the chess game and the whole festival down. I, they were two kind of separate events. I wanted to not put them together. I wanted to kind of give them each their own moment. And so I'll be sharing a video of the tractor parade, but it was the coolest, craziest thing. And it, it's so weird, but it it made me, it made me a bit homesick, to be honest with you, because these tractors were all being driven by young kids. And I mean, kids like probably from the age of like, 17 18 up up until like mid to late 20s all you could tell all their friends were like crammed into the cabs or on the, on the back or in trailers with them and so it was just everybody was wearing like hawaiian flower lays that you put around your neck and i'm not sure that, that must have been part of the theme that they were doing with that tractor parade but anyway it was this crazy thing there were lamborghini tractors which was so cool there were New Holland tractors. I think there were some John Deere tractors. There were international tractors. There were Fiat tractors, which I didn't even know existed. I didn't even know Fiat made tractors. And I'm telling you, old ones that were really cool and really amazing antique type tractors, and then ones that you could tell were from like the 60s and 70s, and then brand, brand new ones. And they made two passes through town and they were honking and they were screaming and yelling. And I was out there, of course, with my camera. And then all these, you know, Italian kids are like waving and screaming at me. Because, of course, that's what they wanted. They wanted people filming them, of course. You know, what's the point of driving tractors through town if you're not going to be getting some attention? So that was really, really fun. And so then I just continued on with my work for the rest of the day. And, and as I was doing some work, I saw that the clouds were coming and this giant black storm sort of moved in. I'm thinking to myself, oh no, they've got all those beautiful chairs set up, all those curtains that were all these like red velvet curtains surrounding the stadium and the chessboard was all set up. And I'm thinking to myself as someone who used to do events for a living, you know, event design, one of the worst things you can do is to do an event and then have weather problems. And Sure enough, the rain came and the rain just came down hard for a good hour. I mean, lightning, thunder, wind. It was just one of those storms that blows in from the, from the Alps and it just wreaked havoc. And then it stopped and I went for a walk to see how, what had happened. And they were, they were drying chairs off. And there were people that were dressed up in their medieval costumes, you know, trying to wipe the chairs down. There was one guy with a leaf blower trying to blow all the water off of the giant chess board. I didn't realize this, but the event wasn't even scheduled to start until nine o'clock. And so the rain stopped about eight o'clock. So they were able to pull themselves together. And man, did they ever pull it off? 
I'm telling you, they pulled it off so well, you would have never known that it had been storming and raining just an hour and a half or so before. It was like a three hour event. I filmed for like two hours and then I was like, oh, I can't film anymore. My, my camera's gonna die and I just can't do this. But I captured a lot and then I edited the video on Sunday. It took me hours and hours to go through all that footage and edit it, but I was able to edit an, a minute and 30 second video for Instagram. I'm sure some of you have seen it by now. If you haven't, you can go to my my page, Nathan Heinrich, and you can see on Instagram. And a lot of the actors and a lot of the people involved in that production have seen the video and they've posted it to their stories and they've liked it. And that made me really happy that, that I was able to make something that the people involved in that production were able to see of themselves and they were able to enjoy. And so some of the main actors that were just really, really great, they followed me and reposted it. So anyway, that was kind of really kind of cool and made me feel like I was kind of a, a part of their night by just by capturing them. And of course, there were other official photographers and videographers there, but, you know, I captured it in a way that was interesting. I didn't even know that you could buy tickets to this event because I'm so out of the loop. And you know, without Alessandro here, sometimes I am sort of going around like an ostrich with my head in the sand. But apparently to get good seats, you needed to buy tickets. Well, I didn't know that. So as I'm sort of walking around trying to figure out, I'm filming different things. I'm filming the people. I'm filming the, the different characters all dressed up in their costumes. And I'm filming the marching band and this big procession. But then when it came time to go over to the big square where it was kind of like standing room on the peripheral part or this giant stadium that was set up. If you didn't have tickets, you just couldn't get a very good view. And so what did I do to compensate for that to make it seem like I was I had a front row seat? I crawled under the stadium seating, which was like this giant stadium, and I was hoping nobody would yell at me and tell me I couldn't be under there. I climbed under there and you know, through the stairs, there were these gaps under the stairs that I could see out and I got a, basically a front row seat of everything that was happening. I was able to capture it. And I think I got some of the best footage of the night because of where I was. Nobody could see me. It was all dark, but I could see right onto the main stage and onto the main chessboard. And it was really great. I did make my way, took a couple loops around the whole thing to try to catch some different angles. Of course, I climbed up to an area I wasn't supposed to be. I took some footage up there. And then someone yelled at me and told me I had to get down because there were fireworks that were going to be going off right back there. I didn't realize it wasn't allowed, even though I kind of did because I climbed up a wall to get to it. <laughs> Oy, I've just got a terrible habit of preferring to ask forgiveness than permission sometimes. So it was just a really, really cool event. And some of you have reached out to me and said you would, you saw the video and you would love to come and see that and experience that. So yeah, come in June, second week, uh, second weekend in June, I believe, every year. And yeah, it's pretty impressive. All right, that's what I wanted to share with you. And let's get into Vera's segment. Vera has such an interesting segment today. You're going to absolutely love what she's got to say. By the way, before we get into this segment, 
If any of you are planning a trip to Italy and part of that trip is going to be in Tuscany and you maybe don't have a really structured tour guide planned out, but you're going to be kind of doing Italy on your own. Last week, Vera and I spent a couple hours and I basically interviewed her because as you may recall, maybe you do, maybe you don't, not only is Vera a fantastic translator of books and a fantastic Italian language coach, as we all know, she also worked for years in wineries as a tour guide for English speakers, Americans, many of them being Americans, in some of the best wineries in the Chianti Classico wine region, which is right where she lives, and she's lived there for the last 15 years. And so Vera knows everything about the best wineries in Tuscany, but specifically the very, very special region of Chianti Classico. So I was writing an article last week about the best wineries in Chianti. So thanks to Vera, we have a very, very comprehensive guide now to the 23 best wineries in Chianti, specifically the Chianti Classico area. And if you are going to be in Tuscany and you want to know the best wineries, go to All Roads Lead to Italy and check out the article called the 23 Best Wineries in Chianti. Thank you, Veda, for so many things, but thank you specifically for helping us out with that. Don't forget, if you want to have the world's best Italian language coach, or you want to just thank Veda for being part of this podcast, you can go to her website, kikelanguage.com, and buy her a coffee or sign up for some of her fantastic Italian language classes. Again, that's kikelanguage.com. That's C-H-I-C-C-H-E language.com. All right, so let's get into Vera's segment. Here is our wonderful co-host and Italian friend and expert, Vera Sarzano. Here is La Vera Italia. Ciao, Vera. Welcome back to another segment of La Vera Italia. Ciao, Nathan. Tutto bene oggi? Sì, tutto bene. Tu? Anch'io, grazie. Va bene, va bene. Well, Vera, I feel like the withdrawal of hanging out with you has still not diminished. Everyone is talking about our last episode. You know that, right? Oh, yeah, I've gotten a lot of messages. People really enjoyed hearing about us vacationing together. Maybe we should take a clue and start doing more of that. Yeah, definitely. Everyone was like, oh, it was like being there with you. I love your episode. You made me laugh so much. So, yeah, let's do it. I think you were the one making people laugh. You were not only making yourself laugh, <laughs> you were making me laugh, and you were making I everybody else laugh. <laughs> you say I'm ridiculous and people laugh at me? Uh, let's say with, right? <laughs> right. I think it was with. And if it is at, well, I always figure if someone's laughing at me, at least I've given them a little bit of joy. So that's not a bad thing, right? It's a great thing. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about your topic today because you've got a really, really great topic. Before we do, do you have an Italian question for me again? We haven't done this for a couple of weeks. Maybe I've forgotten how. <laughs> Maybe you've forgotten how to 
respond to my questions, but I haven't forgotten about the questions. So, of course, I do have one for you. All right. So, an easy one to ease you back into this routine, right? So, quando eri piccolo, che lavoro sognavi di fare da grande? Mm. All right. I think I got it real fast this time. When I was little, what did I want to be when I grew up? Yeah. What was your dream job? Sognare, sognare, to right, dream. Right, right. I know. I didn't translate that exactly right, but I got the general gist of it, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have a very, very specific answer because I had a very specific plan for a long time. My plan was to be a doctor and specifically I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> and when I when I first went to college, my my major was pre-med. So I went uh, all the way through high school and then getting into college, I still thought I was going to be a doctor. Okay, sorry. I shouldn't be laughing. I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting this. I think you're I know, I know because that's completely the wrong direction. And then something happened where I like woke up and I'm like, "Wait a minute, what are you thinking?" What are you thinking? You will not enjoy that life. You don't enjoy school, so you're not going to enjoy the next 12 years of your life in school. So that's that's a problem. And then also, like you, there's nothing design related to that. There's nothing creative about being a doctor. It's a wonder. It's people. So it's wonderful. I I would have enjoyed the people, but most of the people that you're dealing with are not even talking to you. They're out cold. Anyway, thank goodness for not only my potential patients, but also for myself that I did not pursue that. And I switched over to landscape architecture, and that was a much better decision. Anyway, now I just stalled telling you that whole story because I'm trying to figure out how to say in Italian that I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, quando ero piccolo. Sognavo di divertenta, how do I say, diventare, let me start over. Quando ero piccolo, sognavo diventare un dottore. Fantastico, dottor Nathan. (laughs) Dottore ortopedico, vero? Ortopedico. 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 Okay. You said surgeon, right? So, un chirurgo. Chirurgo. A surgeon. Wow. Chirurgo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a game I played when I was little. L'allegro chirurgo. The happy surgeon. I know you have that in the US too. I just don't remember the name in English. Yeah, where you were like where you do like surgery and you try to pull the things out without making his nose turn red or whatever. Yeah, that's it. What was his yeah. what was it called? I don't remember. Something about well, it's probably different here versus in the United States. I don't know. Everybody listening to this probably knows exactly the right answer. Doctor yeah. something or other. L'allegro chirurgo. So the happy, cheerful, joyful surgeon. Oh yeah, I don't think we. I don't think that was the name for us. Well, let's look it up. Let's just look it up. Yeah, and there was even a rubber band for the tendons. Yep. Oh, is it called operation? Yeah, operation. Operation. 
that's it. Yeah, boring. I well, while it's opening, you know, I had a lot of siblings, right? Mm -hmm. And they all became my patients. <laughs> <laughs> this game. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. I, I recognize the nose. Yeah, that game. Exactly. Same man. Yeah. Wait, does your wear underwear? Yours doesn't? I don't remember underwear. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a very specific memory. Look at this is him in the this is him like really like ready to be operated on. Did you have a naked one? I don't remember those red. Yeah, we had a naked one. See? Are you serious? Oh no, maybe. Yeah. A Why am I not surprised? Everything in Italy is naked. All the statues are naked. All the paintings are naked. Can you naked. see? It's totally naked. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's nothing to see. It's like a but, Wait a minute. Is that the original one? Yeah. That Well, that's the original one in Italy in the 80s. I wonder if they've added... I bet you that this is the modern one. I bet they've added... I wonder if the classic one... Um, if you were gonna like, because this is the brand new one that's on sale online. I I wonder if we had the same. Oh yeah, it looks like ours was also naked, the original one. So that's weird. Real people in real life are getting you know nakeder and nakeder. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um. This is the. It came out in 1965, so the original version had no clothes. Yeah, you're right. Our society is getting less and less dressed, but our games are getting more dressed. Yeah, weird. I don't know. Anyway, okay, let's uh, let's. Uh, I'm turning the question around to you. I'm gonna try to ask it in Italian, and then I'm gonna ask you in English. But quando eri piccola, che la che lavoro vorevi va fare da grande? Mm -hmm, molto bene. Allora, in realtà un lavoro abbastanza simile a quello che faccio. Volevo diventare una scrittrice di libri per bambini. Wow, fantastico. Yeah. I, I think you said, when I was little, I wanted to do something similar to what I'm doing now. And I wanted to write books for children. Yeah, correct. So that was my dream job. I started reading and writing very early. My parents have no idea why. I just started reading random words around the city and they were like, well, wait a second, are you reading? And so I had this notebook that they gave me and I scribbled down things and started writing books for kids. And I was like, yeah, I wanna write books for children because I don't like the books children now so i want to write my own <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah and, you know, the new children's books the new children's books are not as good as the children's books we grew up with mm -hmm. i'm sure everybody thinks this but i think we're actually right i think that all the best children's books were written like before mm, 1990. totally we had the best childhood we had the last good childhood our generation had the last good childhood. You know, we grew up with like rotary phones <laughs> and dial phones and pay phones, but also we we had 
we had to learn the internet too. So like we we had one foot in the old world and one foot in the new world. And that's why we're millennials. Yeah, we are. Yeah. All right, Veda, let's get into your topic for today. I'm really excited to hear what you got to share with us and it's all yours. Take it away. So today I want to talk about school and education in Italy. Uh, I know probably most of our listeners who are moving to Italy are not in school anymore, <laughs> I mean, they're older, but you know, it could be useful for their kids or whatever. But I think it's even more interesting uh, for, you know, everybody else, those who are way past school age and those who have no children because school is what you know creates society and it's not the same everywhere so it's kind of interesting to see how things work um uh, all things related to school work in a, a different country in a different nation so i'll start with some you know just basic practical straightforward information um so we have to go to school from 6 to 16. So that's when you have to. But obviously, most Italian kids start way early. We have Asilo Nido, which is the nest school. Nido is nest for babies, like newborns, from 0 to 3 years old. Then there's the Scuola Materna from 3 to 6, which is nursery school, kindergarten, whatever you want to call it, but they only play there. There's no class, no lessons. In kindergarten and other um, countries, sometimes they start teaching kids how to read or, you know, count numbers, basic stuff. We don't. I mean, maybe their names, but it's not school. It's just playing around, painting, and having fun and doing plays and recitals and things like that, just having fun, right? And then at six year old, uh, we have uh, Scuola Elementare, the official name would be Scuola Primaria, but still we all call it Scuola Elementare, so elementary or primary school, whatever you wanna call it, it's five years from six to 11. Then we have middle school, Scuola Media. Now, the official name will be uh, scuola secondaria di primo grado, but nobody says that, obviously. And it's three years from 11 to 14. And then you have high school. Now, here things start to get a little bit complicated because there is not one high school. You need to decide what kind of student you are when you're still in middle school and decide what kind of school you want to attend. We have liceo, liceo, uh, with different kind of liceo, we'll get into that in a moment, but it's the school you attend when you already know you're going to university, where you want to keep studying after high school. And that is when you're 19, because we finish high school at 19. Or we have istituto, istituti in a plural, technici, so technical schools and istituti professionali. Now, technical schools just prepare students for 
different jobs in one field, you know, one area, maybe you choose, I don't know, construction, and you can be a surveyor or a, yeah, something like that, or you choose something else. So just in a general field, and they learn a lot about different things. Uh, one very common Instituto Tecnico here in Tuscany, for example, is um, for tourists. So they learn languages and they learn how to be a waiter or to be well start to be a chef and then they move on to chef school but you see the right so you pick a general field you want to work in and then there are istituti professionali where you learn one job so when you're out of there you are a mechanic a butcher whatever mm -hmm. so when you're 12 maybe 13 you have to decide your career basically because even if you already know you're going to study when you're older so you keep uh, studying until you go to university there is not only one liceo there are several ones and the first liceo the uh is the liceo classico for example so classic and it's all about humanities you study greek ancient greek Latin, those are the main subjects, history and philosophy, those sorts of things. You have Liceo Scientifico, so for science, and you study a lot of maths and uh, physics and chemistry and so on. And then you have uh, Linguistico, so for languages, the one I attended, um, or I don't know what else, uh, artistic, so you learn how to paint and history of art and even a uh, musical Liceo. So you learn about music or dance, there is even one for dance. Anyway, so you really have to pick when you're still pretty young. And if you do continue study, so university, uh, we have different universities, uh, different uh, facultà, so you choose what to study, what to major in, but that's kind of the university you decide to apply. So it's just, Kind of different so we have uh three levels we have a bachelor's degree so it's a three years after that you can study for two more years and that's the master's degree and then you have the phd so that's how the school system works here in italy and one more thing like practical thing is the difference between private and public schools it's like the opposite from many other countries private schools especially high schools are not the best ones or at least they could be there are some very good private schools but our public schools are amazing are the best you can find uh, obviously not all of them but you can find very good ones and there is I mean, nobody cares where you study. They're pretty much all the same. While private schools, especially the international schools or things like that are really amazing and great. But especially when talking about liceo, what happened back in the past? If you were not a good student and you fail, and then you fail again, your parents sent you to a private school and basically they paid get your diploma. So in Italy, private schools got sort of a bad reputation. There are a lot of good private schools, but still, you know what I mean? It's not like the big dream to go to a private school. 
while for universities, so colleges, there are a few private universities in Italy, uh, but yeah, they're good. They're good, really good, but they're not the only good ones. Probably the most famous and the best ones are the public ones. So you see, that's something that is quite different. But now, it's not only, you see, mm, the different maybe age range or the fact that you really need to choose a school. It's the, the whole system that is different. Now let's see if I can explain it to you. Let's talk about elementary, middle, and high school, okay? You enroll, you get to your first day of school and you're set in a class with another, I don't know, 18, 20, 25 students, and they are your classmates, and they will be your classmates for the next five, three, and five again years for elementary, middle, and high school. So you're always with the same group of people. That's your class. So for class, we just mean classroom, and the people in your classroom, not all the students your age in the school, but just your 20, schoolmates, classmates. <laughs> and you can already see that it's different because you don't get to meet the whole school. Uh, you just meet your, you know, your friends. Of course, you find them during recess or in the cafeteria or whatever, but it's not the same thing. You don't get the chance to really become friends with them. You sit at your desk and that's your desk. You never move. It's the teacher who goes from one classroom to the other, you're always in the same classroom, and that's your classroom. So in elementary school, kids usually have from, I would say two up to four teachers. The same four teachers or five or whatever for the five years. It's not that you have one teacher for first grade, one teacher for second grade. It's the same teachers that take a class so the same 20 students and take them from the first year to the fifth year of elementary school. And then same thing again for middle school, three years and high school, three years. So you see, it's the same teachers, the same students, the same class, the same desk. And I know, I don't know, I tried different things because I've studied in Switzerland in two different schools, middle school and high school. And I spent a semester in the United States and they were different, different from Italy and Switzerland is different from the United States. It's sort of an in-between. I don't know what is best. Probably I like the fact that you change your schoolmates every hour, every period, you know, uh, and every semester. Mm, I like it better, but that's probably just me. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, my classmates are the best thing that ever happened to me. And they still hang out 20 years, 30 years later. So I don't know, it's just something different, I guess. And there's also um, another big difference and it's how we study. So we study, uh, different um I, I wouldn't even say different it's like you can't choose okay you chose the school in the liceo or you just go to elementary and middle school 
uh, and you have to take those classes. You can't choose. That's the, 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 the curricula. That's what you have to study. So there, there's no choice left for you. The only thing you can choose is whether or not to attend religion classes. But that's it. Okay. You have three hours of this, four hours of that. And we have a weekly schedule. So usually you have different classes every day, uh, maybe the same subject a couple of times a week, one or two hours. So that's also something different. And well, let's talk about tests. They're totally different in Italy. I mean, we um, write a lot and we talk a lot in school. I've never ever taken um multiple choice test that's not a thing i mean you might have a few true or false questions in a you know um bigger uh test but it's basically open questions where you have to answer in five ten fifteen lines we do a lot of essays so we do write a lot in school starting from third grade, so third year of elementary school, you get to write the kidney, so your essays and researches. And you have open questions even for scientific subjects like physics or chemistry or even math. I mean, not only that, obviously, you also have to do calculus and algebra and all the numbers, but you also have open questions like explain how you got to this answer or why is this this way and so on. And I found this very different from other from other countries. It's something very typical of Italy. And those are written tests, but we have oral tests. We even have probably more oral tests, oral yeah, questions. So what happens? Uh, you have to study, I don't say, let's say elementary school, geography, your region. So you have to study the chapter from Wednesday and on Wednesday, the teacher starts le interrogazioni. Mm -hmm. So it's like asking questions. So they say, okay, Vera, you're up today. You're interrogata, say interrogata. So you stand up, you go, or you say at your desk or you go up at the um, teacher's desk and you're asked questions. So talk about, I don't know, Veneto. What are the provincia in Veneto? What is the highest mountain? What is the longest river? And so on. So you're asked question and you have to answer in front of the whole class who's listening. And that happens for every single uh, subject, even PE. <laughs> you have a few questions even for PE, like with all the rules for some games and so on. So what happens here? We like to talk. We are Italian, right? And I think it's very important to be able to really explain what you think, to put into words your thoughts. It's a life skill that you will use forever. But you know, for some students, maybe they're more anxious and it could be kind of terrifying. Personally, I preferred oral questions more because you know, if you don't know the answer, you can just talk about something else and try to, like you do, you know, stalling when I ask you my Italian question and you don't know, you start talking about something else and maybe the teacher gets distracted. But anyway, it can be a little bit um, 
stressful for some students. But I think, and this is the cultural fact that I kind of love, there is another reason why we love, I mean, in Italy, to have all these oral tests and these essays, okay, and longer answer instead of our true or false. Because then your grade is not, it doesn't have to be objective. The teacher has room to maneuver their grade, you see, because it's an essay. Mm -hmm. It's something you like or don't like. Obviously, if you make a lot of mistakes, it can be uh, 10. That's the highest grade in Italy. But you know what I mean? And maybe the teacher asks you, a asks you a question and you don't know the answer and you start and then they help you a little bit if you're a good student. Or maybe they can really ask mean questions if you're the bad student and they don't like you. And so we can complain about the teachers and say, oh, the teacher doesn't like me. That's why I got a bad grade. So we can complain. We can say it's not our fault. We can turn things around. You know, it's very Italian. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I agree with you if that's what you say, because I have no personal experience of this, but I can see how Italians would like that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We like it, that's the way it is. That's how we built our schools. Based on talking and talking and talking. And yeah, the fact that we don't have like multiple choice or, okay, this is it, you have no way out. Either you know it or you don't know it. That also only happens with math tests probably. But even there, the teacher tried to ask some more generic questions to help you a little bit. Anyway, so this is something really different. And when we go to university, we don't take tests. There is not a word for, you know, like tests for university. It's only exams. That's how we call them. So you follow um, a course for a semester or whatever, and you have to um, give something between 20 and 30 exams to graduate. Usually there are first year exams, second year exams, but you're more free you know, to change and decide. You can do some more in the first year and then stop a little bit, whatever. And you get to pick a few more subjects that you like or don't like. Well, those exams are mostly oral exams. So once again, you go there in front of your teacher and in front of all your fellow students and you talk. Uh, obviously, if you're studying architecture, you will have exams where you draw, or if you're studying medicine, I hope they may do something, but still, in general, it's a lot of, a lot of talking. And even the, the subjects are different, so uh, I would say that in every single liceo, so the high school that prepares you for university, you have a little bit of Latin, okay, okay. you have English, mm -hmm. but you have philosophy, and you have history of art, mm -hmm. and you have to follow those subjects, you can't just decide not to. And we usually start uh, philosophy unless you're at the classical liceo, so the one that uh, really focuses on uh, humanities. We start philosophy in when we are 16, and it's for three years. But it's so, you know, 
interesting that philosophy and history of art are mandatory subjects in every single high school, while computer science is not. There might be schools where you do some computer science, uh, but it's just not something you are required to. So what I'm trying to say here is that we are kind of stuck in the past. It's a good thing because you need to know where you come from to move forward. But yeah, I don't know. So starting from elementary school, we learn how to read and write, obviously, but that's kind of quick. And then we learn about Italian grammar. Mm -hmm. My students know that we as Italians love to talk about prepositions and verbs and so on and adverbs. We, we love that because that's how we study our own language. We study history, like history of the world, and we start from the Roman Empire or even before that, actually, we start with other um, like the Middle East and so on. So the first and earlier civilization. So we study a lot of history starting from elementary school and geography. So we know quite a lot about those things. Even my grandparents who only went to elementary school and then had to go and work basically. Well, they, they knew a lot about geography and history, what they remember at least. And then in middle school, you do it all over again. So you start again from the beginning, but you go more in depth. And in high school, you start again from the beginning, Italian, history of art, history, geography, everything again, but even more in depth. So it's kind of repeating the same things three times, but better and better and better. Now, we are kind of stuck into the past, even for the school buildings themselves. Now, if you walked around an Italian city, you probably noticed at some point a bunch of kids getting out of a building, like a beautiful palazzo or something. Yeah, those are our high schools. So schools for us are just normal buildings in the city center. Maybe elementary schools are a little bit more modern, but mostly Cheney and universities especially are just in the city center. There are old buildings with big rooms. And I have to say, it's kind of nice to be in the city center. You walk there and maybe you skip school for one day and you just go shopping or hide in the library or whatever, but still you're, you're not in school. School is not something separated from the city. It's in the city. And these ancient buildings, of course, when you're in there and you're a student, you hate them, but they're gorgeous. I mean, they're amazing. But there's nothing, there's nothing new in there. I mean, PE in Italy is ridiculous. There are some new schools that were built in the past maybe 10 years uh, where you can find a gym or um, a track to run outside. But usually it's the gym, it's a room as big as my living room. And kids just go there for one hour running circles and then play volleyball, that's PE in Italy. When I moved to Switzerland and I saw the gyms, I was like, oh, wait, what is this? There were all kinds of 
things you could also use, you know, even rollerblades to play hockey and all kind of things. And then when I got to the United States and my school had a swimming pool and tennis courts and well, of course, the football and everything else and tennis. And I was like, okay, never mind. That's why we never win the Olympics, right? Sport is not a thing in schools in Italy. We do sports privately in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So that's also a big difference. Sport is not part of Italian education. It is, we have one or two hours, but it's not. I mean, especially when you're in high school, girls are like, yeah, whatever, and just pretend to be kind of sick or whatever and sit and chat. And boys end up playing soccer and the teacher reading the newspaper. <laughs> That's what usually happens during PE in Italy. <laughs> or maybe, you know, there are some schools where they have a little bit more. And it's not only PE, it's everything practical. We didn't have uh, any um, labs like biology or chemistry labs. Nothing was hands on, you know, when you were, when you study in Italy. Once again, there are some schools now that have more of these sort of things, more labs, more um, tools and things you can actually use. But it's just very few schools and just for very specific subjects. And once again, it was totally different when I moved to Switzerland and it was like, okay, let's move to the biology classroom because there you move from one classroom to the other uh for every period and i was like where where am i is this like a i don't know drug factory or whatever there were machineries and microscopes and all sorts of things that in italy you do not find you read things on book you just stay at your desk that's it and that's not good i mean the world is moving fast and you really need to learn how to use this modern technology if you only study the theory behind it, it's great. I mean, uh, it's great if you know where this technology comes from, if you know everything about who invented the microscope or the telescope and why and when and so on, that you can use it. So I think once again here, a little bit of balance would be, would be best. We are all about theory. So what happens that when we graduate from high school. And sometimes even when we graduate from university, you're like, okay, what now? We haven't done anything. We've studied, we know how to do things, how we are supposed to do them, but we've never actually did it. So that is also something that has a strong impact on Italian society because you know how I told you that we stay home until after we graduate or possibly until we get married and then move in or, you know, just go and live with someone. But still, that's sort of the idea. You have nothing to prove you're a capable adult. You were just studying. You just have book. You're book smart, not strict smart, if I can say so. So basically, after you graduate, your parents are like, okay, now you have to learn how to do a job, you have to find it, and then you need experience, and 
you don't even realize it and you're over 30 when you're finally ready to get into the business to do to do things but that's sort of how we do now let's get to the bright sides of italian schools uh it's free unless you want to attend a private high school or a private university we have amazing schools italian style amazing schools and they are free even university so college whatever you want to call it you pay uh university fees university taxes but it's really inexpensive it's like i don't know depending on your your parents because you don't work obviously on your parents um income uh, and tax brackets it could be from zero if you're really really you know from a poor family up to i don't know maybe 1500 euros a year 2000 euro a year that's it so we could say it's it's basically free then you have to buy your books that's true but you know it's a thing that most families can afford it's not a problem and you can also maybe start a, a side job while you study so you can basically pay college for yourself so that's that's a good thing and um even elementary schools uh, have a lot of books but you have uh, some of them for free and especially for families who cannot afford them they uh those families are given books from the government so that's also a good thing right but i think the best thing about italian schools is food Oh, Obviously, wow. right? <laughs> Sorry, so <laughs> the best thing is food. So elementary school and middle school, usually uh, students go to school from Monday to Friday. Uh, Saturdays uh, are off and only in the morning and maybe they stay until 4.30 or 5 p.m. twice a week unless you ask to be there every day anyway every single school um elementary and middle school has a canteen a cafeteria right now there's no such a thing as packed lunches usually kids eat there uh, oh and even in uh, sorry i forgot especially kindergarten and asilo nido so from zero to three right so kids eat at school and every school has either a kitchen or if the kitchen is not there fresh food cooked that very morning is brought to the school for everyone and you have the mediterranean diet you have pasta and riso and then you have meat and fish and you have some veggies and you have like the food your nonna would make to you not as good as your nonas we always complain about our cafeterias but once again when i moved abroad and i was like yeah what am i gonna eat now are you serious i was like no okay maybe ours was not so bad right so especially for children zero to six so asilo nido the crash and uh, nursery school or kindergarten parents get a chart home every week with the weekly menu so they know what their kids ate for lunch and they can you know they just know it and then they can decide what to cook them for dinner for example so they don't have the same thing twice or you just you know food. 
parents have no idea what the curricula is, but they know what their kids ate at school. That's also very Italian, isn't it? It is. So I don't know if our schools are the best or the worst. I, I didn't like going to school that much. I know it's weird. I was a good student, always been, but I don't know. I just wanted more. I was looking forward to what came next. So I wasn't a big fan of school, but I think our schools are great. If you really want to study, you can learn a lot. They probably need some improvement in certain area, getting a little bit more modern and up to date. But I think it's very important for our schools not to lose the speaking a lot and the humanities part because we are one of the few nations where this kind of education is regarded as the best one. So it's very important to know a lot about history. And that's why we are not so impressed about our country. I mean, yeah, everything is all here. We know. We've been studying it for years, you know. Uh, you When you start learning and you get an idea of time, you know, when you're five or six and they tell you, you know, your grandparents were born a long time ago. Well, yeah, this building is 2,000 years old. And they start like this. So you sort of have it into you. We are not that impressed. And yet we study it it's you know a weird combination because we're used to it we live in very old buildings we see them every day and yet we study everything about it so the average italian probably knows a lot about uh history of art what did leonardo paint or i don't know michelangelo whatever and even less famous ones and maybe not that much about scientific subject uh or even hands-on subject but that's that's italy that's who we are wow i mean i i think i can probably speak for americans and american education is not the same today as it was when maybe some of our listeners were going to school there was a time that i do believe that american education was really good probably stopped being great like in the 70s and 80s can't speak for non-americans that are listening to this but i know americans that are listening to this are just shaking their heads and just like comparing our broken horrible pathetic public education system in the united states and we're just it's it's almost heartbreaking to hear how good things are in Italy and how good they could be, you know, in, in the United States and, and other countries as well. On, on almost every single level, and, and you talked about sports and you talked about the lack of computer sciences and things like that. But those are all very, very, very good points. Yeah, I think Italy would do itself a favor and Italy could probably become a leader because you have such good students already, you have such a good educational system. If you just implemented a little bit of technology, then you could become a leader in technology. And that would be transformative probably for Italy and its economy and, and for many different aspects of Italian life. But that's about the only thing. That's about the only thing that as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, 
was maybe could be adjusted. Let's just talk about food. I didn't even think you were going to touch on that topic. I'm so glad you did because I did not go to a public school, even though I wanted to go to a public school with my cousins and my friends. I did not go to a public school. I went to a very small Christian school. The, the food that is served to our poor American students is not really food. It all comes out of plastic containers. It all is prepackaged. A heartbreaking thing to me is that food in the United States is actually contracted to fast food companies. And you probably remember this. It was probably happening when you were going to school. Taco Bell one day has, they bring in their food and another day is Pizza Hut. Another day is something else. It's not actually food. And it's a, it's a corrupted system. And it's so, it's so bad. I mean, didn't you tell me that? Remind me if I'm, if I'm correct. But I do recall you telling me about you going to study in Washington State for high school. Didn't you gain weight? Oh, yeah. A lot of weight. Okay, so you had two things going against you. You had the American diet going against you, but you also had the American diet for a school-aged teenager going against you. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I went to the cafeteria just a couple of times and bought uh, school food there just a couple of times because it was disgusting. I don't know, some concussion all in one place. I'm Italian, sorry. One All in one plate with beans and maybe it was meat. I don't even know. It was like, okay, no, that's not for me. Uh, there was a sort of, I yeah, I remember a sort of cafe, <laughs> I could call it like that, where they had bagels and you can have bagels with everything. So that was kind of my choice. Or I just packed my lunch at home. So I just ate wherever around or even in the cafeteria, but my lunch that I brought from home. But even, you know, a sandwich with American ingredients is not the same sandwich I would make myself here in Italy. So yeah, I gain a lot of weight. And I love the Rice Krispies treats. <laughs> that was also on me, right? I couldn't resist. Well, I'm not saying that the food doesn't taste good, but whether it's good is a whole other topic. So, I mean, as you're talking about the food, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. And I'm thinking America would have to, the United States would have to completely from the ground up rebuild their system because it's completely trashed. It's, it's toast. Whereas Italy would just have to make a few minor adjustments. Now, I've got some questions for you. Do you know, and I think I know the answer, but I am curious if you know, do you know if Italy allows homeschooling? Okay. Homeschooling is allowed. I was interested. So I did some research a few years ago. And yes, it's something you can do. But I think that there are something like maybe 200 kids homeschooled all over Italy. It's getting a little bit more common now, but it's not a thing. Uh, most parents would think you're crazy if you do something like that to your child. And also you have to like take an exam. 
in the same school where you were supposed to go, right? Because it's the closest to your house or whatever. So every year to show off your work, following the same um, curricula, the exactly same curricula and that you had in school. Now, there's a reason why I was interested. I have no kids, you all know that, but um, I work with kids a lot and their English was <sighs> terrible. And now English is one of the subjects kids have to take in school, starting from first grade. And I'm like, that's impossible. You can't possibly write something like that. And, you know, I was tutoring a few of them. Their parents wanted them to improve their English. So they hired me and I was reading through this homework and it was like, this is a mis terrible mistake. And the teacher did not correct it and gave you the top grades possible. That's, I mean, how is that even possible? I'm going to sue the teacher, whatever. And by the way, the mistake was my best friend has eight years. Eight has eight years. Yes, of course. Because that's how we say it in Italian. Yep. Otto anni. So she went for, she has eight years. And well, let me mean, the, the kid makes a mistake. It's okay. Even Nathan always says, Io sono anni, right? No, I mean, mm -hmm. it happens for the kid, but not the teacher. I mean, you can't possibly let it slip and say, oh, this was perfect. Okay. This is just an example. I got really mad and tried to figure out why this was happening. I did some research and I was like, yeah, if I ever have a kid, not on my watch, this is not, not happening. I mean, I'm not sending my kid to school where the teacher did a 30 hour English course mm -hmm, to be able to teach English to kids. Okay. So that's why I know, but homeschooling is not something that it's seen as a nice thing here in Italy. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think so, but I just wondered I was out of curiosity. And then I just think it's so interesting how the priorities are so off between Italy seems to have their priorities really straight. I, the fact that kids are required to orally give back an answer. You cannot fake that. You might be able to dance around it, but you can't really fake it. You're not looking at notes. You're not looking at anything. You're standing up in a classroom, which I think is a very healthy thing to do because it builds confidence. To be able to have to pull on the knowledge out of your brain and then say it out of your mouth, that is, that is a true test of whether you know something or not. I remember hearing Alessandro has told me many stories about growing up in Italy and going to school here. And when he was talking about oral exams, I was like, what do you mean oral exams? Like, how often does that happen? And he's telling me it happens in every single class. And I couldn't believe it. I actually got a little bit anxious just hearing about it because I was like, oh my God, what if I had to go through that? Like it makes you realize like, wow, I had it easy. You talk about no multiple choice. With multiple choice, you actually have a certain chance of getting things right that you don't even deserve to get right because the right answer just happens to be there. Without multiple choice, I don't even know what the grades in the United States would be. I, I can't even imagine. And I'm also amazed when you were talking about an early teen, you have to basically map out the course of your career and your life. Now, that's interesting to me. I don't know how I feel about that. I 
part of me feels like, wow, how amazing that at that young age, you have to be responsible enough to know what direction you're going in life because you're really setting your course. Whereas American kids, they don't make those decisions until sometimes they're even out of college. <laughs> like they don't even know a lot, a lot of times when they get to college what they want to do, let alone like when they finally get out of college and have to find a job. So you're like 10 years ahead of Americans in knowing what direction you're going. Now, I do have a question for you about that Beta, as well. Do you think that kids can sometimes who make that decision when they're 12 or 13 about what they're going to do for the rest of their career and their education, do you think that there's some regret that happens? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, um, we are not as competitive as you are in the United States. There are no kids in Italy that are, I don't know, age 10, even 15 years old, or have 15 years, and say, I want to go to that school. You know, I want to go to university and spend their whole life studying and studying and taking all the best classes just to get into a specific university. You just sign up, you enroll, and you get into the university, unless it's a... Um, there's a limit on the number of students they can take, but you know, it's you can choose another university and study the same things basically. Anyway, so we are not so focused on school um, as you are. I mean, we do study a lot, we do have homework, but it's not like how it, we're chill, la dolce vita for once. It's not stressful like in other countries. Just, just a minute, just to be clear, you're saying you're not so stressed about college. Yeah, about college or about yeah. choosing the school. It's like, oh yeah, even I'm in middle school now and I have to choose where to go next. Yeah, great, I know. So let's say if you like Italian, you want to, you already sort of know if you want to go to college or not, when you want to stop studying. And so it's like, great, I love uh, Italian history, so I'll go to the classical. I love teaching, I go to the magistrate. And well, maybe one thing I forgot to mention, even if you attend one of the other schools, Istituto Tecnico or Professionale, you're still allowed to apply to university. It's just harder for you because you lack. So you can just change high school whenever you want during your career, or maybe after you uh, graduated from high school, you can, uh, I don't know, you decided you want to major even have a phd in history so you just try to make up on your own and you can still apply it's not that you cannot you don't have the same preparation so you have to work harder at university but you can okay so it's not that terrible but in my experience i was 13 years old and i picked liceo classico so i loved writing of course we said that i love italian literature and italian as a subject and i love the idea of studying greek ancient greek and latin and history and all these sort of things and i enrolled and i got into the liceo i wanted the one in como i mean there was no thing but yeah right after my um middle school final exams my dad came home and said, yeah, there's one thing I need to tell you. You're not going to Liceo Classico in Como next year because we're moving to Switzerland. Aha, there you go. I was actually happy. I love change. I still do. So no problem. 
Yeah, I kind of had a tiny problem because in Switzerland it's four-year middle school and four-year high school. So I thought I was done with middle school. I was finally in high school and no, I had one more year of middle school. But uh, so what happens? Sorry, I'm in Switzerland. Uh, well, it's a multi-language country, right? So French, German, Italian. I was in the Italian-speaking part. French and German and English are uh, compulsory. You have to study those languages. You start learning these languages when you're in elementary school, right? And I had never studied uh, German nor French. So I spent the whole summer studying languages and I felt so amazing. I was like the best summer ever. And yeah, you can tell it was already kind of mental there, but yeah. <laughs> and I went to the to middle school there and I couldn't possibly uh, do Liceo Classico there the following year because in Switzerland, if you want to study at Liceo Classico, you need to pick Latin in middle school. But I had already to make up for eight years of German and French, so I couldn't study Latin. So I ended up studying languages. Well, I only figured out later that Liceo Classico would have been terrible for me. I love languages that are alive. I don't like studying grammar rules and just simply the grammar and just remembering. I love the sound of languages. I love speaking. And you can do that with ancient Greek and Latin. <laughs> and I only figured out later on that I don't like history that much, studying history. Because you know that what happened, I was a straight A student in elementary and middle school. But to get to my straight A's in maths and even history and all this where you have to study, you know, memorize things was probably a little bit harder, but I hadn't realized it. Okay. Only later when things got harder, I was like, wait a second. I don't like these subjects. Mm -hmm. I only like those, the other ones. So it ended well for me. But it was just a coincidence. Probably Liceo Classico was the wrong choice for me. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not trying to make it seem like here Italy has no problems. Italy certainly has its problems, but they they get so many things right. And and it's just amazing. I, I also just in closing with this whole topic and and before we go any longer here, I just want to say I think that the the concept of a class, a small class of 20 something students that know each other for all, what, how many years? Eight years, you said? Well, no, five in elementary. Then okay. you teach school, you go to middle school, and it depends. If you're from a small town, they're the same that work with you in elementary. If it's a bigger sure. town, it's different. Right, yeah. Well, to be able to be in a class, in the same classroom, at the same desk, with the same students, with the same teachers for that whole, for all those years, I think that's brilliant. I think that is so the connection. I know you you're not you're not crazy, but I see I would have loved that. I would have thrived on that. And that would have been for me, that would have been just amazing. But anyway, that this has just been so great and so enlightening. When you said you wanted to talk about this topic, I wasn't sure, you know, how interesting it would be. And it's proven to be one of the most interesting topics that we've ever discussed. So Thank you for bringing such wonderful knowledge and such wonderful firsthand Italian perspective to this. It's just so, so great. Thank you. Thank you.
e ci vediamo alla prossima volta. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Well, thank you so much, Veda. What a fantastic, informative, and very interesting topic today. I'm sure that you found it interesting as well as I did. Who knew how different Italian schools were from the schools wherever we were from? Of course, I'm always talking about the United States, but not all of us were, are from the United States. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about schools where, where you are compared to the schools in Italy. So send me a message and let me know what your thoughts are. Or send Vera a message and let her know what your thoughts are too. We would both love to hear from you. You can always email me, by the way, directly at immovingtoitalypodcast at gmail.com. That's the best way to reach me directly, other than sending me a direct message on Instagram. And so don't forget, you can follow our show on Instagram at immovingtoitaly. And you can also follow me at Nathan Heinrich. You can also follow our other account, All Roads Lead to Italy. Sometimes I think I'm a little bit crazy with all these different things, but that's kind of what you have to do. So, all right, that brings us to our surrounding sounds for this week's episode. Before we get into that, I want to quickly thank our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Babbel Language. ExpressVPN is a service that I use every single day, and I couldn't get through my my daily life here in Italy without it. It is the best and it's a must have if you're planning to travel long term or move to Italy or if you're just someone who travels a lot in general. It's just a fantastic tool. And you will find a link for ExpressVPN where you will get three months for free when you sign up for a one-year plan. And it comes out to about $9 a month and it is totally worth it. I don't know what I would do without ExpressVPN. Also, Babbel Language is the world's best language learning program. They don't just have Italian. They have every other imaginable language you may ever want to learn. And they have it in an app form. They also have a private podcast that you can listen to that helps you learn Italian at multiple different levels. They've got like the beginner level to listen to and the intermediate, the advanced, the super advanced. It's just a fantastic program. It helps you, if even if you do have an Italian language coach, it sort of helps you to study Italian on your own. I've used all the Italian language learning apps, and I can tell you that Babbel is by far the best. So go to imovingtoitaly.com and click on the links for Babbel language to get up to 60% off a lifetime membership. They've got all kinds of different promotions going on all the time, so it just depends on which one they've got going, but sometimes between 50 and 60% off for a lifetime membership, which is the best way because then you've got it for life. You never have to pay for another language program again. All right, that brings us to our surrounding sounds. And I've just got one for you today because we've got kind of another long episode. These episodes just keep getting longer and longer, it seems like. But you guys haven't complained yet, so I guess we're doing all right. So today I'm going to be sharing the sound of something kind of similar to what I've shared in the past but this one is a little bit different because this time I didn't have one of my famous meltdowns. (laughs) The last two times that I've gone to the tabaccaria to pay bills, the woman who always helps me behind the counter, it's two sisters that run the place and they're very, very nice. And they always give me this big smile when I walk in because they're probably thinking, oh great, here he comes again. (laughs) Anyway, but the last time I went in, 
before this time, I went in and the woman was so flustered. There were so many people there. I had paid her. She didn't realize I had paid her. And 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 she was like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I just gave you the money. It's There's like a, a $50, there's a 50 euro bill sitting right there that I paid you. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And she, anyway, she was all flustered. And it was kind of this whole scene. And the time before that is when she asked me, basta così, everything, are we good? I didn't know what she was saying, and I got confused, and I got embarrassed. So anyway, anyway, and this time when I went in, I was paying my Wi-Fi bill, paying the bill just fine. I gave her the money. Everything was going fine, and then she was stapling the bill and the receipt together to give back to me because that's what they do here. You pay, and they print out a receipt, and then you, she staples it to your invoice that you received in the mail, and then she hands it back to you. Well, while she was stapling the invoice and the receipt together, her stapler just like exploded and sent a staple flying towards me and a spring flying in another direction and the other end of the, basically the thing just kind of catapulted everywhere. And it was this kind of this funny moment and I was laughing and she was laughing and it was just kind of funny. So anyway, it was kind of this, I, I don't want, I'm not saying I'm happy that she had kind of a, an embarrassing moment or an awkward moment, but all I'm saying is, thank goodness this time it wasn't me, but it was fine because we both laughed and I said goodbye and it was fine. So that's, that's the surrounding sound I have for you today. So enjoy that sound and I'll be back afterwards to say goodbye. Wow, ahora. Prima volta. Se c'era qualcuno la ammazzava. Brava. Bella questa. Ok. Grazie mille. you enjoyed that sound from me paying a bill at the local tabaccaria here in Conagliano. 
Thank you so much for coming back for another week and another episode with me. We are winding this season down. We've only got five episodes left before our summer break. But next season is going to be a super special season. I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. Vera and I came up with a great idea for next season, and I can't wait to share it. So anyway, that's five weeks away, five episodes away. Thank you again so much for being here and for leaving your five-star reviews on the podcast. I appreciate that so much. Thank you for reaching out and sharing with me and following me on Instagram, reading my articles that I'm writing on All Roads Lead to Italy, and just thanks for being part of my life here in Italy. You don't know how much you mean to me. Well, I hope you do, because you mean a lot. Thank you so much. Wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice today, I hope you are healthy and well, and I look forward to being here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.